0: I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. Good luck. This has been a robot reenactment. Hello, I am the Hunky Smug Film sponsor, Plug Man. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the Smug Film podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby Slow on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again that's minorkeygames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here at Smug Film, and go to roomfulofspoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who have donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show. Please head on over to patreon.com/smugfilm and donate. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number: 718-395-9711.
1: Once again, that's 718-395-9711. We look forward to hearing from you. You lovely, lovely people.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards for you if you donate to the show. Just $1 a month gets you access to a library of over 20 bonus mini-episodes of the Smug Film Podcast. These mini-episodes will never be on iTunes or anywhere else. The only way to get them is by donating through Patreon. And that's not all. You also get streaming copies of my two feature films, Shredder and Rehearsals. All that for just $1 a month. If you donate $5 a month, you get all that plus... We'll do a plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Your Twitter handle, your website, your whatever. If you donate $10 a month, we'll plug whatever you want on every single episode of the show. It's an incredible deal. They're all incredible deals. So once again, that's patreon.com slash smugfilm, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today, live via Skype, is Brad Avery. Howdy. Good to have you back, man.
1: Good to be back.
2: All right. So I have now seen all the Friday the 13th, and you've seen all the Friday the 13ths way before me. Yeah, um,
1: I got them done in October. I, I met my deadline. Yeah, I It'll did. Be you. Johnny come lately. Yeah, did not. Cody meet, come lately.
2: Cody come lately did not meet his deadline, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, life gets in the way of movie watching sometimes. But I did finish. I've seen them all, including the uh, the remake, which we'll, uh, we'll yeah. address as well. But uh, I was
1: worried you weren't going to get to it time. I'm glad you did.
2: I'm going to announce right off the bat. There are probably eight that I think are great.
1: Yeah, I, I was okay. So my first question for you was going to be, "What's the best one?"
2: I don't think we're going to go linear here. I think I think the best way to do it is how we're doing it right now, where I'll I'll just pick my best one, then we'll go to the next best, and eventually we'll end yeah. up talking about the worst one.
1: Yeah, that it's hard to get them in the middle, but yeah. there's too many.
2: All right, so the best one, drum roll going, do 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 do. Friday the Thirteenth, the original.
1: Really? Yeah. I
2: think that's it's the best one. one because, you know, right. as we talked about in the previous Friday, the 13th uh, episode, those first two, which we already, we already kind of addressed those first two. I'll just say right now, my number one and number two are the first two of the, that's of the series. That's, I think that's fine.
1: I think, uh, I think uh, number two is a lot better. It does a lot of the same things better, but uh, let tell me, tell me why one is better than two and better than uh, two through 12. Well, Number one,
2: which we got to kind of on the on the previous episode, if you haven't heard the previous episode, and you want to hear us talk more in depth about one or two. Yes, this def- is a
1: sequel episode. Yeah. This is Friday the 13th talk part two.
2: Absolutely. Go back and listen to that first part. But the first one, it has like these moments in it, which we, we discussed, these very believable, very real, very fly on the wall moments where you're just seeing people kind of like live And I really like that because, you know, horror movies are all about taking people out, you know, it's you get a kill and there's another kill, another kill. It's like you hit those beats. But if you don't spend enough time on the living aspect, then the kills are just kind of, I don't know, it's like you're just waiting for each kill. I like when... Or
1: if you don't do the living aspect well, like I think Friday 3 doesn't really do it well starts feeling a little tired like okay we're going through the motions but like you yeah friday one and two both do that really well
2: those two are the best at the living aspects i would say of the entire series i think one and two and three isn't my number three after one and two i go to four as my number three that's a good choice I think
1: that's my number three as well, but different movies in the top two slots.
2: What What are the ones in the top two for you?
1: All right, for me, number one. You ready? Yeah. Jason X.
2: I love it too. I'm getting there. Trust that's me. That's my
1: That's my number one. I'm almost number there. Two, number two, Part Six, Jason Lives, which I think is a lot of people's favorites, but it it's a it's a favorite because it deserves to be a favorite All right. because it's so damn good.
2: We'll We'll, we'll get there.
1: We'll get there. We got it. We we're starting at the beginning, so let's, let's move our way.
2: Number four deserves definitely a big nod. It, it's uh, if you don't know, it's the final chapter. You know, the a first le- final chapter. The fi-
1: <laughs> yeah. It's the first of these twelve movies. The first to be the of, final.
2: The first of the last of the Friday the 13th. I love it a lot. As you as you pointed out, as you kind of warned me, you were like Crispin Glover, dude. He's, oh, yeah. He's very Crispin Glover in it. You're going to love it. And of course, oh, I did love that. Um, that's
1: like one of my top Crispin Glover performances, just him doing his thing.
2: Oh, absolutely. He's so good there. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he, it's, uh, it, it's very pure, too. It's like he he's not become the cartoonish Crispin Glover yet. He's just the um, the Crispin Glover that's still figuring out what Crispin Glover is. But, so
1: you know the thing with that dance that he does in that one scene? Of course, so the, the the deal is that that wasn't in the script, but the the cast was out partying the night before shooting, and he just did that dance, like, on his own. The, 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 <laughs> that was just Crispin Glover, and they're like, oh, we got to put that in the movie. That's beautiful. And so they then wrote that scene in there, so just so you could do that dance, because that's just how Crispin Glover dances on his own time. Sounds
2: good to me. Um, yeah, so
1: that, I think that's what's so good about the character, yeah. is that it's very pure... From just who Crispin Glover is like, it's just very much him coming through and that he's so watchable that he's such a good screen presence in general and whatever he's in that it really helps carry that movie because he's he's also just like a good dude. He's not a bad dude. Yeah, he he gets killed pretty brutally, but he's just a nice guy. Mm hmm. You like him. You you want to like be his friend. You're like you feel bad for him, and then you you see him. He he gets the girl, and you, you're like, oh, I feel good for this guy. Like this guy's good. Too bad he's gonna die.
2: Yeah, that's uh. I think that's when the Friday Thirteenth movies are at their best. That's how I can sum it up perfectly. Is it's just when you care about the characters, and you know, it sounds it it's kind of like a hackneyed thing. Even people that hate horror movies are like. You know, I don't care about the characters. That's why I don't like horror movies. Everybody always complains about not caring about the characters. When when these movies are at their best, you care about the characters. I think even in something like Jason X, there's some weird, yeah. there's something weird about it where like you care about the characters even though they're so cartoonish and overblown. And we'll get to you X. Know, we, well, we can get to it now because I'll, I'll announce it right now. That's my number four is Jason X.
1: There's something I, I want to kind of. Get in on these series. So, so both of us had never really seen this series before until now. I, I you know, I had just put it off for so long. I'd seen the original and I had seen Freddy versus Jason, but it's forgotten pretty much Same. all of it. Yeah. So I, uh, I made sure that you know I'm finally going to watch them all. And what struck me is, you know, you you have the idea that these movies. Are gonna be all the same, that it's just gonna be Jason slaughtering off a a stack of teens. And what's so surprising when you actually go through them all at once is how different each movie is from the last. Absolutely. There's there's a couple duds in there that are a little repetitive, but almost all of them for the most part are doing something completely different or just uniquely different from the last entry in the series. And that's a really good thing to see because the the nightmare on Elm Streets do not do that. No. And I think you really get each movie stands out on its own in your memory. You think they're all going to blend together, but they do not at all.
2: Yeah. And I've, I've definitely touched on this before, which is the nightmare in Elm streets from an outsider's perspective, seem like the ones that'll be more fun and seem like they have more yep. potential because they're dealing with dreams. And in dreams, you can, of course, do anything. So to an outside observer, if you're saying like, all right, I want to watch all of a horror Franchise. I've got Friday and I've got Nightmare. Which one do I pick? You know, like me, I picked Nightmare as the first one. I did that a couple of years yeah. ago. I was way disappointed because they're very samey. Um, at a certain point, there there are a couple yeah. ones where they stray from the formula, like uh, yeah. New Nightmare and and this the first sequel. Uh, yeah, the part second two. one. Yeah,
1: Freddy, uh, It's Freddy's Revenge. Yeah,
2: those two stray a bit, but other than that, there's a this very samey formula and i
1: like three but it's, it's goofy and then four five and six just you know they they really drop it and you're just kind of suffering through them
2: well four to me is is uh the best of those samey ones there's something about it that just i don't know it works for me maybe it's because i really like the protagonist and i just really like the look of it but that one really works for me but the point being that now yeah Going into Friday the 13th, I expected the exact same thing or worse because the dreamlike one where anything was possible was samey as fuck. So I assume that the one where it's just a guy with a machete and a hockey mask is going to be even more samey as fucked and it couldn't be further from the truth.
1: And a lot of it goes very much into the filmmaking itself. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of real auteurism on display in some of these movies and in the ones where there isn't, uh, there's still something sort of unique about them. Like, for example, we talked about this in the last episode where part one and two have this sort of trick that they pull with the camera yeah. where it's doing the point of view style lingering shot and it makes you think it's Jason. And it keeps switching up whether it is or isn't Jason or if it's just a, a, a trick and there's actually nothing there. It's just the cameraman. And that's brilliant. It's very really effective. brilliant. very effective. It's very effective. And that kind of disappears going on, but it's good because if you keep doing it, it's going to get tiresome. So they, they switched around. So let's, you know, then jump to part five, where, you know, the plot itself is different because there's this trick that it's not actually Jason, but this is the one where they kind of start bringing in real humor to it. And it very much is uh, a totally different movie from any of the first four. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and then, Part six then takes that and ups it even more and and seizes on that humor and throws it in and does that James Bond parody intro and kind of uh, goes into the sort of Frankenstein elements, except with, you know, slaughter and gore. And it gets uh, very, very goofy. And then, you know, you go to something like part eight where it just starts getting weird and trippy and, and strange. Each of these movies distinctly is its own movie. Absolutely. Which you can't say for a lot of series that have run this long.
2: Yeah, you can't say that for, you know, Hellraiser or, uh, you know, the Halloween movies get kind of samey in the four, five, six. Like, that's mm-hmm. almost its own trilogy where it's just a, of sameness. But, yeah, I'll go, I'll go to my next one, which is Jason X. Just to recap, I'm going the first one, the second one, the fourth one, and then I'm jumping all the way yeah. to the tenth one, which is Jason X, which is kind of divisive. I know a lot of people who dig it. I also know a couple people who swear it's like the worst goddamn movie ever made. I think it's fantastic. I think it's it's very creative. It's also, it's by the same writer, Todd Farmer, who also wrote Drive Angry. Which oh, if, I
1: never saw Drive Angry.
2: Oh, man. If you haven't seen Drive Angry, that's tremendous. It's a Nicolas Cage vehicle that came out a couple of years ago. And it's, you know, it's always kind of hard to keep track of which Nicolas Cage vehicles are the ones worth checking out. Yeah. There's, there's so many. They just throw them out there. And it's like a couple years later, you hear somebody who's like, oh, yeah, knowing was actually pretty good. And you're like, all right, I'll guess I'll Ebert have to-
1: called that from the beginning. Ebert gave yeah. it four stars off the bat. Yeah. The, Ebert, the one person to go to bat for that movie.
2: Ebert's, uh, Ebert's real keen on the uh, Alex Proyas. Yeah. Knowing's very good, by the way, if you want to check it out. It's not perfect, but it does certain interesting things that I've never seen any other film even attempt to go. Uh, but Jason X. Jason X, Todd Farmer, same writers, Drive Angry, also a very, very fun movie. Much better than Knowing, I would say. Uh, definitely check Drive Angry out. But Jason X. Similar feel to drive angry. I, I'm sensing that Todd Far- Todd Farmer has a bit of like an auteurship, even though he's a screenwriter. You know, it's kind of like that Shane Black thing where like certain screenwriters have an auteur quality, certain guys that write these, these genre things.
1: Yeah, Charlie J- Kaufman. Sure. Like
2: that. Yeah. yeah. Jason X, you know, I would compare it to, but obviously much better, I would compare it to Leprechaun in Space, which is a very interesting and, and strange and bizarre movie and does some good stuff, but isn't nearly as solid as, as Jason X. Jason X was so absolutely refreshing by the time I got to it, because of course I went through these one by one in the order that they were released. And by the time I got to Jason X, you know, I was kind of, I was a little burnt out because seven and eight, I didn't like too much. As you'll see, they're, they're way low on my list. And hell, I liked the things in, but I didn't fully uh, connect with. I wasn't, I wasn't fully on board with. But Jason X, I was, you know, glued to my, my eyes were like glued open for the whole time. I was, I was really enjoying it, particularly. And those of you who know my tastes uh, know where I'm going with this. I love 35 millimeter with bad CGI. <laughs> I love that. I love that melding of worlds. I love it in Blade. I love it in a couple other things. I just love that melding of two worlds, where like you get the 35 millimeter grain over cheap CG. And
1: I had this thing last month where I saw Van Helsing from 2004 for the first time, Uh and it like almost appalled me for a little bit how much I loved the cinematography and how much I missed that look, like I never thought I would miss that look of a movie and then I saw it I'm like, wait a second, like movies don't look like this anymore. Yeah, They don't have this sort of weird sort of, you know, CGI disconnect but also this sort of, uh, you know, very surreal style of of shooting and and set design and there's, it's all very flat these days and a lot of big blockbusters, it's all very bland and uh, completely computer generated and it doesn't really Click and these types of movies from this sort of like 1997 or six to to like 2005 or so, that little era there of weird blockbusters and horror blockbusters, and things like Resident Evil and all that, where they got you know sort of overblown with the, the darkness and the CGI it really clicks these days. Maybe it's just a passage of time and you start appreciating it with time when it's not as fresh and it's, it's, it's older. Yeah. It's, but- it's,
2: it's probably a mix of nostalgia and a mix of just, there's a genuine, like almost uneasiness about seeing in particular in Jason X, there's a moment where you see these like metallic, like, uh I don't know, how do I even describe it? Like uh, maggoty things that, like, crawl up you and heal you.
1: Oh, the nanobots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're nanobots.
2: Well, well, when they zoom in on them, they're, like, little, like, ants. But, like, when you're seeing them from afar, they just look like a series of, like, metallic maggots. Uh, like that was,
1: maggots, like, a big the- thing in that era, though, yeah. was nanobots. And they'd be, like, these little waves of CGI, like, little metal things that would, like... Sort of flow like a swarm. yeah, it looks, like that was a big thing back then.
2: It looks so effective in this and it's it's like genuinely like unnerving and creepy like to see it, especially with like the grain over it. and I think you know what we've been speaking to as far as like the melding of thirty five millimeter f- movies that have not great CGI is that the grain adds like this weird texture overlaid over the CGI, which I think, Part of the reason why we're realizing a lot of this now is that when we were watching these movies on DVD, on like, you know, older TVs or whatever, you don't get the same detail as far as the film grain. And now that we're watching them on better TVs or we're watching Blu-ray rips or we're watching Blu-rays or whatever, we're seeing that grain over the uh the CGI, and we're remembering, oh, man, there was that quality when I was in movie theaters, and I, you know, I like, I I, I remember that now. And we're realizing that, like, they were kind of onto something, and it makes sense why these films kind of fell by the wayside for, like, I don't know, maybe five, six, ten years, where we were just like, eh, those look like shit, you know? Because we were looking at shitty copies of what it actually does look like, and now we're looking at a closer approximation of what it's like to be in a theater and look at 35 millimeter and see crappy CGI with with grain that you can't even comprehend. Like, why is that grain even on there? We're so used to things being so clean now. It, it's a very effective thing, and almost like it, it's avant- very effective
1: for horror too. Yeah, just it, to have that grittiness a little bit, that little kind of low grade feeling. Yeah,
2: almost avant garde creative because it's like
1: I'd just say it's raw. It just feels yeah. Raw.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Which you want, especially in a Jason movie, like, that's the thing that really separates Jason and Freddy is uh, Jason's very primal and Freddy is very, um, what, what's the word, Like theoretical in a way where he, he's much more, it's much more they put too much thought into it, uh-huh. whereas jason just you know he's just jason that he he kills because he has this compulsion to kill and he's big and he's lumbering and that's all he does is he sits around and he you know does his thing until someone comes along and he just you know goes into kill mode
2: right it's like a robot it's like a kill bot it's like uh that sort of like automaton thing which is which can be very effective um and and speaks to a certain level of horror where it's like you're dealing with a creature that you can't reason with. Um, there's there's a great there's a great Ayn Rand passage which I think which I think comes from Fountainhead where somebody describes uh, what the the scariest thing in the world is to them, and they they describe it as being locked in a prison cell somewhere with somebody who you can't even reason with, who either some disease has eaten part of their brain. whatever they're just this lumbering thing, this monster that just wants to kill you and you're trying to explain to it why it shouldn't, but you can't because you can use the greatest words in the world. You can you can say the most beautiful things and most intelligent things ever and it's just gonna go in one ear out the other. And you're just alone there and it just like eats you or whatever. I think that's like a very primal terror to not be able to use your reason against something. And when you're looking at Jason, you, of course, you can't really, you know, explain why Jason shouldn't kill you. It's just, he's just going to, unless you distract him in some way, you have to go to these very, like, uh, it's almost like you're dealing with a child where you have to distract the child. Cause you can't explain to the child, like why it shouldn't do something. One so thing like, that's kind oh, of funny, well, let's go do this now. You know, that, one, that kind of one thing. thing that's
1: kind of funny is Jason often. uh you know he's he'll be chasing somebody, but then someone else will show up, and he has this moment. He's like, "Oh, which one should I be trying to get?" Like, yeah, like that's always a, a common distraction. For him. it's just when there's two people in different directions, and he's like, "Well, do I kill this person I've been chasing, or this person might be a little easier to get?" Like he's sort of like thinking, like, "Oh, oh, what do I do now?" And it's it's these fun little moments in in a lot of the movies where you, you see him sort of thinking for a moment. He, he, you don't think of Jason as someone who thinks about mm-hmm. what he's doing, but uh he he actually is. He he's actually stops and considers a lot. Yeah, and like, he's, of course... Comp- he strategizes. He, he's a yeah. strategizer.
2: Completely non-verbal uh, also, you know, I should point out. Yeah. It's not like he starts talking in any one of these. It's not like Tom and Jerry where, like, yeah. some of the Tom and Jerry things, they're talking, and you're like, why the fuck are they talking? Alright, so the next one, after Jason X... By the way, Jason X... It's just, it's a very effective, uh, space oriented version of Jason that's very fun and silly. And the nudity is even clever. Like, there's a funny gag with the nudity as far as nipples go. That's just brilliant and has a great sound effect attached to it. It's just a silly, fun, good time. And it was just a breath of fresh air for me after like a, a slog of like three previous. So after Jason X, you know, it's kind of neck and neck. I'm going to give the edge to number three because that's where he gets his mask. So if I'm going to give the edge to something, I'm going to give it the edge to that because that's, you know, the most iconic development in Jason's history. You know,
1: my thing with with three is that I like it fine. It's not bad, but despite that iconic moment, I don't really remember much of it at all like not it doesn't really stand out in too many ways like the other ones do where they have distinctive scenes or characters or or kills or, yeah. or whatever And three to me just sort of I'm trying to remember really anything that happens in it that's the one where he, where it ends with him hanging but he's he's still alive right I think that's how that one ends but I can't even remember that for sure.
2: Like, and that's, you know, that's totally fair. It's a, of course, if you don't know, it's a 3D film. So it's, it's, it's a junkie one of the Jasons because they're, you know, it's a popcorn flick. It's like they do like the 3D gags or something pokes yeah. at you, etc. Well, it's
1: totally fine. Yeah. I have nothing against part three. Also, it's just that I don't remember it. And I just watched yeah. it like a few weeks ago.
2: Also visually, um, it's kind of hampered by a problem in the eighties when, when it came to 3D cameras, because 3D cameras, you get this like weird effect in the corners of the screen where you get weird distortions and you get weird color things going on, and it just it it's not as visually nice as some of the other Jasons. So it has. Did you that- see it in 3D? No, I didn't.
1: Yeah, I I got it from the library, and it was supposed to have 3D glasses in the the DVD case, but it it didn't like oh, they no. weren't there. They someone had lost them or they got broken at some point down the line. Who knows? But I was kind of disappointed, so I had to watch the 2D version.
2: Yeah, and obviously what I'm saying is even if you watch the 2D version, there's just a... And I noticed this in in JAWS 3D as well, the the third JAWS. um, There's just a quality to the camera that has to be used, or rather had to be used at at that time period where things like the lens is just a little weird and you got to get used to that and you get over that hump. But otherwise, I just think there's... It, it, it was effectively fun. There's some good stuff, particularly early on. I think it starts well. I think it's... Yes, it is uh, forgettable, but I liked it as much as my next one, but I give it the edge because he gets the mask and that's just okay. this perfect moment. But my next one is Five. I like Five, five. a lot. Yeah, I like Five a lot.
1: I, I am fine on Five. I like it more than a lot of people. I think that's where they really introduce humor to the series and... That's the one with the punks, right?
2: Well, five it's is the, the one where it, it's it's at the uh, mental kind of camp yeah. facility. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's that weird little camp thing. And uh, you, you have that, that kill with the, the random dude, uh, a non-Jason kill in the series, which might be one of the only ones.
2: Yeah, and as John D'Amico pointed out when I was talking to him a couple weeks ago, very effective because now all rules are out. You know, when you see a non-Jason kill, it's like, wait, what the fuck? It's like somebody just got ganked by uh, one of the other characters. Like, what the fuck? Um, I think that's a very effective thing that was done, and it's kind of it strikes me as weird that that hasn't been um, done more often in horror movies, just as a way to fuck with the audience. You know, if you if you set them up for this is the killer, this is the killer, this is the killer. And, you know, you forget that, you know, some other character could kill somebody. It's not it's not out of the realm of, uh, yeah. you know, the what characters can be done. in That
1: one are so weird, too, because like that, that kid that gets killed at the beginning, the the dude, he like clearly has, you know, he's not all there. He, he's, you know, socially awkward and, and struggles and then he sort of just gets killed for it. But he's also, you know, one of those eh, he, he's intrusive. You know, he he causes problems for people. He doesn't mean to, but he's also a little uh, abrasive about it. Like he doesn't, you know, apologize necessarily. He he, he's a very again going back to the the living scenes. He's he's a pretty real character. It's it's a pretty good little dynamic they have there, where this is a dude who you know he, he. doesn't, he, he's got mental issues, but he's also you know kind of a jerk yep. <laughs> at the same time. And it's, it's just very refreshing to see this. Uh, it, and again, he doesn't deserve to die. Like, he doesn't deserve it. But it, it's refreshing to see that sort of uh, three-dimensional character, yeah. even if he's only there for five minutes.
2: Yeah, and it's a strange one. As we said, the spoiler being that Jason isn't the actual ultimate killer in the film. You know, you're seeing jason E. deaths, but it's not Jason himself that It's
1: a little Scooby Doo.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very Scooby Doo, and I think it was it was effective. There was a strange vibe to it because all the kids were crazy. Um, that there line readings, which you know, if you if you walked into the movie halfway in, you'd be like, "Why is everybody so fucking weird?" You wouldn't necessarily realize like, "Oh, it's because they're in oh, the right. mental mental." <laughs> That's the one. Camp.
1: Okay, right. I'm remembering it now. Like Tommy Jarvis is older and he's mm-hmm. sort of, like, disturbed and he freaks out on people. Yeah, Tommy Jarvis
2: being the kid from 4 yeah. who survives. Yeah, uh, he's,
1: like, the one recurring survives. character throughout this series. Yeah. What's What's your next one?
2: My next one after 5 is 6, which I know you like a lot.
1: Yeah, so my thing with 6 is that, A, I didn't realize that, like, car chases were what the series was missing to this point. <laughs> that's that, that's uh, one that's thing. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, I like the uh, the crazy reanimation, and it's very Frankenstein. It's very James Whale and that scene. Oh, that and,
2: opening is just tremendous. That opening.
1: Yeah. And there's one other thing that they do that really ups the ante that none of them had done to that point that you don't realize how effective it is, is there's kids at the camp. Yeah. They open the camp, and there's actually kids there for once. Yeah, isn't that weird old... that it
2: took until that
1: one? it's always before the season begins. It's like the day before the kids arrive or or something like that. And the counselors are all alone so they can party. But this time, you know, you got to like think like, Oh, the counselors are also trying to like keep these kids alive. It it creates a nice little obstacle and task and also a a little bit of suspense. I I think you, you know, they're not going to go there and have Jason start slaughtering the kids. Like there's kind of that sense that, okay, it's not going to take this point, but you you still like it, it adds that drama that is is a little Hollywoody, but at the same time is, is just fun yeah. and refreshing
2: well it also um it adds certain interactions that the film was lacking because it it became you know so insular when you got just a bunch of kids around the same age interacting with each other, and maybe there's an adult here and there mm-hmm. or someone old. but it changed things up to just have like kids interacting with uh you know adults. Or twenty-year-olds or whatever. Um, I think that refreshed refreshed it a little bit because he, you got to have different types of dialogue, and also, of course, because you know Jason was a child who you know drowned in the the lake, and then he became older. Um, it's interesting that child adult dynamics weren't really played with until six. Um, you played with it a little bit in four because you had that one kid character. But it's interesting to to open it up a bit more with with, uh, with six. All right, so after that one, this is this one's a bit of a dividing line. Mm-hmm. okay. I w- I would say after this one, things get really shitty. And we have only got three left. Yeah, but yeah, that's I, I think it's like a great symbolic dividing line because if I list them, you know in a list, I got one, two, four, x, three, five, six, and then I have this word. That's a dividing line and that way. Wait, worked... wait,
1: wait, wait. Are you counting Freddy versus Jason in the remake in here? I'm not. Count... not. I'm okay. not
2: counting uh, Freddy versus Jason um because I feel like it's it's technically more of a Freddy movie than a Jason movie. Um but I could I could of course rank it in here. I think uh dep- I, depending I on my mood. I have interesting
1: mo- things to say about that one though. Yeah, but,
2: it's hard for me to rank it because it's like comparing, you know, a 50% Jason movie to a 100% Jason movie. And it's, I don't know, it, it feels a little weird to to compare them. But um, I will say that, that Hell is the dividing point. After Hell, um, you know, I got seven and eight in the remake. But yeah, that's the word that's the dividing line on my list, which is so interesting because it's like all numbers. And then it just says the word Hell. And then after that is a bunch of shitty movies.
1: <laughs>
2: so yeah, Hell is... Uh, is one where I like things in it, and when it started, I was like so fucking on board because it opens in such yeah. an interesting and strange way. Yeah, and uh, it's got a it's got a main guy being Jason that I really dig, and then it switches to another person and blah blah blah. But like the first dude that's Jason, he's like a guy that I see in tons of stuff, and I love. I I always love that actor.
1: Okay, uh, I it's my dead last because I agree with you that that opening is fantastic and then it just gets insufferable for me it's like, a, yeah it it's a gets, movie
2: that gets progressively bad as it goes on i think it it's like barely okay that one i think i don't think it's a particularly good movie but it it's uh i don't know i, w- I would say it's like a two and a half and that's the dividing line and then seven and eight and the remake are all way less than a two and a half for me
1: i just think you know they had that bounty hunter character yeah and I was so on board with this movie when he starts talking. He's like, you know, you like, what is it? Like $500,000. You get the the mask, the machete, the whole thing. And I was so game for a movie that's just about a bounty hunter wrestling and trying to take down Jason. Mm-hmm. And if he were the main character or at least one of the main characters would have been wonderful. But then he just sort of gets yeah. sent to the sidelines. And you're not really sure why. It could have been it's brilliant. A total waste. It could it's a total have, waste.
2: It could have been one of the best ones if uh, it kept to the story that it was kind of setting up. It felt like, damn shame, does a lot of things that are just really boring.
1: Someone brought it up and said that, that whole thing where the government just blows him up at the beginning, that should have just been the ending. And I think if I were to restructure this movie, just take the script and completely redo it, I would instead... Uh, how, how does... Uh, Right, right. Okay, so it kind of opens, and it doesn't explain how Jason got resurrected this time. We just know that he's back. Right. And that's all that really matters. So just just take that idea. Like, it doesn't matter how he got resurrected after Part 8. He's back, okay? He's killing people. And then bring in the bounty hunter, and he says all right, I'm going to take in Jason, make that movie about that hunt, make it like the most dangerous game with this like dude squaring off with Jason. He's like, I'm going to like, I'm going to bag me a, a trophy, like a, like a Craven, the hunter type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that would be great. And that, that's the movie. And then, you know, in the meantime, there's, there's people getting you know killed by Jason and et cetera. You do that. And then the bounty hunter gets killed and the government steps in, and you end it with him blowing up. Like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, the scene where, he, like, the dude eats his heart is crazy and insane, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. But it's, I I would, I could live with losing that for a overall better movie that was just about some crazy, like, Australian-style, like, Crocodile Dundee type, like... Well, you know what? It's almost like... Big hunting knife. And, yeah. It's like, almost
2: like we needed, um... A movie before it that ended with the government thing, and then this movie would open with the government thing to like recap people. So, yeah,
1: or I you, all it needed really was a scene where that dude in like his right hand is holding a knife close to his chest and he reaches out his left hand and he like you know waves his fingers like, come here, come here, like get hey, Jason. Like that's what that movie needed. It yeah. needed that scene,
2: yeah, it needed like a uh, Rambo versus Jason feel almost, yeah. You know, like a, almost like the third act of Predator, you yeah, know, when he has. There
1: to, you go. Exactly. Yeah. Predator. That's what it, that's what I was looking to say.
2: Absolutely. All right. So after hell, we've got seven and eight, which I think are really not good. Seven, no. seven does an interesting thing towards the end. It has a memorable ending. That's the best I can say about it. It's a mess. It's, it's uh,
1: to me. It's just a dud. As much as like the psychic girl thing they add is like trying to spice it up, it just feels the most repetitive and yeah. redundant of them all. Regardless, like it doesn't bring anything new to the table, really.
2: And for for such an interesting thing as like a psychic girl versus Jason, it doesn't do enough with it, and it's not very visually interesting. Uh, it's a miss. And then eight, which I was hoping was going to be good, which is Jason takes Manhattan.
1: Uh, eight is sort of good. I'm I'm bigger on eight. Than- than that he's uh, like I would barely rank in Manhattan 79 he is yeah but
2: it's on I a think it's weird
1: boat it's so, boat. Weird. It's so <laughs> weird well that's the thing is I think I knew that going in that like the joke is that it's Jason takes a boat oh I, I got that
2: see I didn't I didn't know any of that going in so I was uh, just yeah, pissed yeah. off for like three-fourths of the movie watching and these I mean, people I on think a think boat
1: it pays off just for that big sweeping shot of Jason in Manhattan but my problem with that though Is that I feel like it goes against Jason's nature to have this sort of like honing signal on these guys on like the people he's chasing. Like he should be in Manhattan. He should be overwhelmed by the number of people and just have to start killing people. Like that's yeah. That's 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 that makes sense. Yeah. Like he needs to. Like there's no way he would just walk through a subway car in pursuit of these. Two people that he decided he's going to kill. Like, what? What? What are they? What's special about them? They ain't special. There's nothing special about them. Like the character of Jason should, you know, just suddenly be like, this is an all-you-can-eat buffet for him. And I think that's what people went in expecting.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: That's the problem. Is you're thinking he's in Manhattan. It's one of those movies where the
2: the movie in your head is better than the actual movie, and
1: you do, however, have one of the best kills in the series which is when he just punches that guy's head off
2: yeah that's great
1: yeah that's, that's great that's one of the best moments of the entire series
2: yeah I'll, I'll agree with that yeah all right so after that you got the remake which... Oh, the
1: re- remake was dead last for
2: oh god yeah
1: i i thought it was okay horrible uh, horrible it didn't it didn't rub me the wrong way it uh it's like firmly like maybe in the lower middle for me. It's just it, cause it's fine. Again, it's, it's a little redundant, but I think it didn't repeat the series as much as I was worried it was going to. It sort of is like, all right, you know, the concept is so simple enough. We can just do our own thing, write our own characters and you know, what's a re-envisioned envision of Jason a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it works. And I, I don't mind the cinematography there. I, I think it's, you know, modern horror and I think I I I hated the look of it dude like we were talking about Jason X and the fact that like those old like now that they're 15 years old those CGI 35 millimeter movies I think we're gonna then in another 10 years now look back on this like late early 2010s style of horror movies and be like oh yeah those looked really cool like that was actually a really good look like I think as time goes on we're gonna become nostalgic for that
2: i uh I hope not I hated I hated the look at this one it, the the blacks were so crushed like the black levels that it was like I was like just listening to a radio drama like i could t- I could barely tell what the fuck I was looking at half the time I was just seeing darkness and like uh colored shadows randomly here and there um i I just I hated the look of of every kill I thought like I, I like kills where you can at least tell what the fuck is going on. These were just like these. It was like looking at abstract, like fucking uh, just lights and like it, the fucking it, it's so shadowy, but so black that like when you see actual pieces of people, you're just seeing like these weird slivers of people just moving around. It's it's impossible to follow it's like the action movies that that look like this have the same exact problem. It's just like you you, you don't even know what you're looking at at that point. Um, I thought that was really bad. I couldn't finish it honestly i I watched maybe 45 minutes of it. I was just like, I, I gotta tap out. It's the only Jason movie that I tapped out on Not good, not a good one.
1: My okay, so I don't really have too much else to say about the remake it's you know i I just I don't mind it. I don't hate it, but it's not great. But Freddy versus Jason is incredibly interesting to me. Oh, it's great! In a way it, it blends both series together. So there's something that that's unique about the opening of this movie, and it really draws a line between the, the true differences between these two series. Is that it opens in the the Elm Street house, which I don't know why the series decided that house was so important, like for for it to appear in every movie. Like I don't get it, but you know, so agreed. It opens with the Elm Street house, so it's, it's iconic at this point if you're a fan of the series, but there's something different. And it's that the teens aren't acting like Elm Street teens. They're acting like Friday the 13th teen, mm. teens. Like, you realize, oh my God, there's a major difference between the way the characters act in Friday movies versus the way they act in, in Elm Street movies. They, they're they much more hedonistic and, and dumb and, and crude and kind of like jock-like Versus the, uh, the kind of quiet, like more introspective, you know, characters of the of the Elm Street movies where, you know, they're not the best characters, but they do operate in a way that's much more secluded. And, uh, you know, they're not partying all the time. They, uh, you know, they, they kind of worry about their schoolwork. It, it's, it's very interesting to see the setting of, of Friday of, of Elm Street. And, you know, given Freddy's intro, but then you're like, oh, something's off here. Yeah. This is a Friday the 13th movie right now. And then Jason comes in and starts doing his thing. And you it also really underlines the way the two villains uh, operate. Because you'll see Freddy doing his type of kill where it's, you know, cat and mouse. Like, he, he likes to corner his prey. He, you know, he likes to toy and play around. And then you see Jason come in and he's just brutal. And he just, you know, he just does his thing and he'll like, you know, not thinking he will smash a uh, a control panel and electrocute himself. Right. Like he'll do, He'll. he's sloppy, but he's effective. But, so he, it's really interesting the way it plays those two off of each other and the way it really keys into the strengths of both series and the, uh, the strengths of both characters and makes them work together so that they... You know, and it it gets to it, it gets to it it makes it very clear text because there's a line about it. But, uh, you know, Jason's water and Freddy's fire. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that, just making that kind of obvious.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, thought was put into this one that a lot of people going in probably assumed it was just going to be kind of stupid, you know, kind of wish fulfillment of finally seeing these characters together. And, you know, you kind of didn't get your money's worth, but it was fine. But it, it's really, there's a, a, a ton of care put in, especially I think, uh, and I've touched on this in a previous episode, but the, the visual look of it, they couldn't make it look like a Friday the 13th and they couldn't make it look like a Nightmare on Elm Street. So they came up with like a visual style that both guys would look good in, which I really yeah. appreciated. They found like, all right, what's the middle ground where Jason doesn't look out of place and Freddie doesn't look out of place? Yeah, And I think that's, you know, that doesn't happen by accident, you know, that that takes a lot of thought and also a lot of the the planning of the plot and how it works. I thought it was very clever and I thought it was, uh, you know, just as good, if not better than some of the best Friday the 13th films and just as good, if not better than some of the best Nightmare on Elm Streets. If you inject it into your ranking of Nightmare on Elm Streets, it's going to end up You know, two or three, maybe four or whatever. It's gonna end up that high. Yeah, yeah, same with the Friday the thirteenth, which is why I kinda kept it off of my ranking Uh, because I
1: think it falls a little shorter on the Friday the thirteenth list, but definitely falls in the upper half of of it, I think. Yeah. Whereas it definitely ranks among the best nightmares. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the original Elm Street and uh, I really like part two and New Nightmare and Three are also really good, but Freddy versus Jason just, you know, fits in there really nicely, and then 4, 5, and 6 are, are, are almost unwatchable. 5. I love, I love that 4 I'll, one, man. I'll, I'll, I, four I, I would go with 6, way over 4 and 5. I yeah. think 5, though, is so ins- insufferable. It's one of the worst, maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen, honestly. 5 is,
2: five is an endurance so, test.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard.
2: So uh that's about it actually. We can we can wrap it up now because we've I guess so. We've covered the Friday the 13th this is and uh, we, again the Nightmare on Elm Street's not worth an episode, honestly.
1: I'm just I'm just hoping that um you know, so we're at 12 Friday movies. I'm really hoping that we can get a Friday the 13th the 13th. We need and it, right? Th- that's got to be the title. Friday the 13th the 13th. It's got to be. Yeah, if it's a not, then um, and they'll, they'll call it like Friday Thirteen, and like no, 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 don't yeah. do that.
2: Friday the Thirteenth Part Thirteen.
1: Yeah, we need it to happen. It's got to happen. Just loop in the remake is canon. If you gotta, I don't care. Who ga- Who cares? No one cares. Isn't it so, weird that it.
2: it's been since like two thousand nine, and we haven't had the Thirteenth one yet?
1: Um, what was it? What was the gap between? There was like a eleven year gap between. Right. Uh, Jason goes to hell and, and Freddy versus Jason, something like that. But it's like
2: for, for something so seismic of, of a 13th Friday the 13th. It's like, why are they holding off? Come on guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe just no one, you know, thought of it. Maybe they're like, Oh, remade (laughs) it. And then like, Oh, I guess, you know, Freddy versus Jason does count in in the count. So yeah, come on, just, just do it. Do it. I dare you. I dare you. Sean Cunningham.
2: That'd be beautiful. All right. Thank you, uh, Brad, for being here, and uh, thank, you. thank you for being my buddy in the uh, Friday yeah. the Thirteenth journey. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what'll be my next uh, horror franchise that I go through.
1: Yeah, I got. I got some though, to go through. Uh, I People I could watch all people, the Hellraisers. Yeah, I was about insane.
2: to say. People have been saying Hellraiser that some of the middle ones are pretty damn good. Um, yeah I don't only, know
1: to me it sounds a little bit too much like that might be a step over the line for me yeah. but
2: I've only seen the first three. First one's pretty damn good third one's all right second one's really bad so I don't know I'm not that excited to go through them but that's what people have been telling me to do next but uh if you have a thought of what I should do next I would love to hear it so uh hit me up yeah. on Twitter or leave us a voicemail 718 395 let us know Thank you, Brad, for being here. Yes. All right. See y'all soon. So long. Peace.